Welcome back to today's episode of Harmony Beats Balance. Yes, you asked for it, listeners. It is Dear Dana Mahina time. What's on your mind? What's in your heart? Dear, dear Sonia, my beautiful producer, is going to help me with your questions. Hi, Sonia. Hi, everyone. Here we are again. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Just the two of us. We can make it if we try, just the two of us. Okay, what do they want to know? All right. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> stop me from that singing. I wasn't going to stop you. <laughs> so, this week, the question of Dear Dana Mahina is, Dear Dana Mahina, what do you do when you have taken on too much? Okay. Are they looking at our calendars? Possibly. <laughs> this it, it felt very, very prevalent, that's for sure. <laughs> We're gonna all watch the movie Inside Out. If you did not watch that Pixar Disney Wonder, please watch it because Joy is my favorite character, although there's also sadness. Here's what happens when we're taking on too much. Perhaps we're achievers, overachievers, pleasers. I will stop the rhyming for the sake of today's show and let you know that in particular, if you are the type of person that likes to please others and you get energy from it, or at least you believe that you do, you're probably taking on too much. So the way that this works is like this. You say, yes, you really meant no, or you weren't even sure. So your default is yes. And you all of a sudden find yourself really burning out. So it's interesting that we're having this conversation today. I started a new book that was referred to me by a client last night called Burnout. And there are these amazing twin sisters that wrote this book, Emily and Amelia, let me not get this wrong, uh, Nagoski, N-A-G-O-S-K-I, Emily and Amelia Nagoski. Two PhD type research, psychologists, musical conductors, like working on listening skills in different modalities. Pretty interesting. What a family type women. And these women wrote this book about burning out and what to do about it. And there's so many similarities in my work in terms of settling consciously so that you don't take on too much, settling for less or settling for more. If you're settling for less, it's by design. It's because even though it might be something you want to say yes to, you absolutely don't have capacity. So let's talk about the calendar, the calendar that each of you keeps. Some of you keep an old school calendar. Some of you keep a today calendar. Some of you probably have a new school calendar. We don't even know what it looks like because you're super high tech. So whatever means you use to keep your calendar, make sure you see blank space, blank space on your calendar. Sonia, not for the month of April, because I'm privy to your taking on too much self along with mine. And of course, we're simpatico. So together we have too much this month. We did that by design and with knowledge and consciously, and we chose to actually settle for more. We knew it. We did it to ourselves. That's very true. So we're not allowed to claim burnout because it was conscious. The unconscious involuntary stuff is what we're talking about. So on your calendar in the month of May, do you see blank space? Yes, absolutely. In just in addition to taking vacation, 
that I've scheduled in because I was like, I know I'm going to need, I know I'm going to need a week off after we get through this sprint. In general, I'm, I'm one of those people that schedules in fun and schedules in like nothing time. And it's, it's really embarrassing, but it works for me because if I don't do that, then I just keep going. I have a tendency, especially if my brain gets like zeroed in on something, I have a tendency to keep going and I won't stop until I burn out or until I run out of steam, which is fine sometimes when, you know, deadlines, whatever it is, but it's not okay as like a daily way of operating. So yeah, I I literally, I will look at my week on Sunday. I will sit down. I will look at my week and I'll have a general idea of everything I need to get done that week, both in, in my work, but also in my personal life. And then I will schedule in like, you will take an hour for lunch and you're not allowed to work during lunch. It's not a working lunch. You're going to go sit down and you're not going to do anything but eat and enjoy your food for an hour before you go back to it. Because I believe it was Cal Newport's deep work that said you can't actually focus for more than an hour and a half at a time. And then you need like a 15 minute break you know, it's it's true. I feel it after about an hour and a half, unless I'm really, really deep in something. More often than an hour and a half, I'm like, I need to get up and walk around. Or, you know, I'm starting to lose focus. I'm starting to get tired. I'm starting to not care anymore. So I will get up and make myself tea or I'll go walk or I'll whatever it is. So if all you listeners are being excellent listeners, and if you are a fan of this show, you're already a good listener because we talk a lot about that and how to's with listening and active listening, listening to connect, not control. Sonia, even though she did answer my question, she also said the word for those of you that didn't catch it. Let me embarrass her now. She said the word. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that I have to write down to take a break, to eat my lunch, to breathe the air, to tend my garden. And that's part of the issue with why we're taking on too much. It's because we're embarrassed to say no, and we're embarrassed to share what works for us versus what doesn't. So now we're going to move the show to that segue. Thank you for that. If you have a little bit of blank space in your calendar, however you keep it, you're already ahead of the game. Most of you are overscheduled, period, the end, insert Big noise here. Dun, 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 dun. You're overscheduled. And you did it to you. Last I checked, our average age of listening demographic is not five years old. So you all have to grow up a little bit and take responsibility for your own calendar. That's just the only way this is going to work. That's it. And that's all. So let's move on to why it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing because, Sonia, fill in the blank. Why is it embarrassing? Well, for me personally, it's embarrassing that, you know, it's, you were saying that, you know, we're not children. So it kind of feels like it should almost be inherent that I know when to take a break, that I know when to stop, that I know, okay, this is a lot. I need to go walk around. I need to take a break. I need to do something like, or that I can't fill all my days with work, that I need different activities in my life to keep me sane. And yeah, it feels like it's it's an inherent thing. And when you schedule it in, there is also kind of an inherent connotation that you don't want to do it. You have to make time for it. So for example, I had a conversation with a friend of mine a while ago, where she was like, I feel really bad for scheduling you into my calendar when you're coming to visit. Like, I don't want you to feel like you're not important to me or that I have to cut you off at like 4 p.m. on the dot 
but I have a lot to do and I do kind of have to schedule you in. And there is this little bit of dual standard of when you schedule something in, you have to keep to those hours to the dot. Like, so if you say I'm going to eat lunch, right, from 12 to 1. For me personally, for other people I've talked to, there's this feeling of like at noon, I must get up and go walk to the kitchen and get to my lunch and sit down. And then at one, I need to be right back at my desk on the dot. And there's no leeway. There's no flow, which isn't true. But it's when you see it visually like that, you see that block. You There's a little bit of this need to keep that time to the minute. So... It's interesting. I'm actually reminiscing about an early, early guest on our podcast who taught us about the word Nixon. Do you remember that? I do. I absolutely do. The translation of N-I-K-S-E-N is try doing nothing. So we all, for the most part of us, watched Eat, Pray, Love or read the book or both. And when we saw that, so many of us resonated with yeah, I think it was something to the effect of Italian dolce niente or something like that. And it's the art of doing nothing. And she learned in her life, this was based on Elizabeth Gilbert's true story. She learned in her life to just simply do nothing. And there's this scene where she makes this magnificent breakfast for herself with asparagus and the perfect eggs. And it's on a big old plate and she's sitting on the ground, super satisfied, completely relaxed and chill eating this beautiful breakfast, simple, beautiful breakfast that she made for herself. But really what she's doing is nothing. She's just being. And for some of us, maybe you'd call it embarrassing, Smith Sonia, for some of us, we have to schedule in doing nothing. And in fact, that's kind of what I'm tricking you all into doing. And and my, my comment about we have to take responsibility and not be like kids is really two sides of the same coin. We need to be more like kids when it comes to having fun and playtime, and doing nothing, and being in our head, and laying on the grass, and looking up at the sky, because the cloud looks cool, or whatever it is. So in a way, it's hard to be an adult, because we actually need to do both. We need to keep the best of being a child, and yet adulting our way through life after a certain age. So, you know, I'm both complimenting and insulting all of us at the same time. So this Nixon concept, try doing nothing. Uh, If mindfulness exercises and meditation are leaving you wondering if you're doing them right, try Nixon. This was for me. Really, he was prescribing for me what to do because I was telling him there's just no way I can't meditate. I've tried every form known to mankind and womankind for that matter. So don't overthink. Set a time to sit and stare out a window. Allow your mind to wander aimlessly and let yourself simply B. Now, the the beauty of the definition is that it says, I can't make this shit up. Set a time to sit and stare out the window. So the Dutch apparently are not embarrassed. They have to set time in their calendar for doing nothing. So ideally, that's what you're all going to do. You're going to take 15 minutes. You're going to take 20 minutes. I don't prescribe more than that. Not here at Dear Dana Mahina, because we're keeping it real. If I say to most of you, I want you to start with an hour a week, you're going to say, I could do three. And then if I say, start with 30 minutes, you're going to say, I could do an hour. 
I want you to start with 15 to 20 minutes so that it sticks. It's just once a week. That's it. Get your sea legs under you before you captain your own boat. And then get out there on the water, metaphorically or in reality. And I want you to actually just be 15 to 20 minutes a week. For some of you, that's once a week. For some of you, it's five minutes a day, three to four times a week. It's just too much. It's a bridge too far to start with 15 or 20 minutes. You know who you are. Own your own destiny and put it in your calendar. Dump the embarrassment because that is the cousin to a should. And stop shooting yourself because the more you should yourself, the worse it all gets. And voila, you're overscheduled because you see this calendar that looks like wall-to-wall stuff and It's the pattern. It's the pattern recognition of, oh, that's how I operate. I must keep operating that way as if we're robots and not humans. So I want you to try it, dear listeners. I want you to try actually very mindfully and very authentically and with a lot of vigor. (laughs) I want you to go for it and I want you to schedule in five minutes, three to four times a week, or one 15 to 20 minute session for yourself, whatever feels most natural. And for some of you, you know who you are. The least worst option might be the five minutes a couple times a week. And for others, you're going to say, I can't even really get my head around this. Let me try a 15 minute once a week and see how she goes. And if you make five minutes out of the 15 and you've had enough, then you give yourself a darn break and you say, at least I tried. And maybe there was something to love about that five minute experiment. Maybe you felt for the first time all week that you were actually breathing into your stomach and not just into your upper chest. That is success in doing nothing. Try. Yeah, I think I think you brought up a really good point um, to not beat yourself up because if you know, if you're like me, you're going to overschedule yourself on your daily stuff. You're going to put in way too much, and you're going to convince yourself that you can, you know, do a two-hour activity in an hour, and you can't. But you somehow fool yourself into believing it every single day or every single week. For me, it's the workout. I'm like, it's fine if I work, you know, twelve hours today. I will then go and work out, and it's like 10 p.m. and 10 p.m. comes around. I'm like, I'm not working out. I don't care. I'm exhausted. I'm going to bed. I don't give a, <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> But and when that happens for a long time, I would feel like I didn't do anything that day that I that I failed because I didn't do something that I told that I scheduled in for me to do. And everything else I'd done that day would just fall off almost like it didn't matter. It didn't matter that I worked a long day. It didn't matter that I cooked dinner. It didn't matter that I went outside and, you know, tended to my garden. None of that mattered because I didn't do one thing on that list. And so I failed the day or I'm a failure because I don't know how to manage my time correctly. Or I spent an extra five minutes on my phone and that's the reason that I didn't have time to work out for an hour. Uh, Clearly not true. So it's important that, you know, when you're scheduling, whether the nothing time or just in general, trying to like when you just have so much on your plate, some things are going to fall off. And it's not the end of the world. 
and it's more important that you focus on what you did do and that you prioritize correctly. Well, it's okay. So my wellness is important. And for the most part, I, I try to be an active person. Right now, it's just not a reality. Like, it's ju- I just don't have time or energy to, to do those things. So instead of, you know, be, making it seem like your day is a reflection of you all the time, be mindful that it's one day out of your whole freaking life. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big of a deal. And it's also unrealistic expectations of yourself and Every listener can relate to this, Sonia. It doesn't matter where they are, who they are, what they look like, where they're from. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Every listener can relate to this. I know I can. It it's it's really about realistic expectations. And so blending this up, the way this will help everyone is if you have any blank space on your calendar and you get really like religious about not filling it up for the sake of filling it up. That's where you find the space to do the things that maybe you do actually want to do. And maybe the gym isn't it. So let's go back to the garden in your case. And let's go back to work-life integration because say it with me, harmony beats balance every time. And so what will happen here is you will go to tend the garden Because the garden needs you and you will not ignore it for weeks on end. In fact, if you're away, someone tends your garden, don't they, son? Yeah. I mean, my husband will water it, essentially. (laughs) Husbands count two on this show. Yeah, I just mean, yes, he will water it while I'm gone. But he won't, like, take the bugs off. Like, he's not even going to notice. He'll just water it. So I can't leave for too long. Or I have to accept that when I come back, I'm not going to have very many plans. So... So you have a design, though. You have a plan so that at least there's a minimum life support on the garden. So the garden doesn't die. The garden isn't going to go weeks and weeks without water, something tells me. Is that fair? Yes, that's absolutely fair. Okay. So you, as human beings that are listening, are also not going to go weeks and weeks without water because you won't be able to listen to this show, let alone anything else, after a couple weeks. So we are mostly water and space. Most people think about our bodies as mostly water. They relate to that. They drink more water. They don't relate to the fact that within our cells at the cellular level, there's mostly space. So if we match space for space, we leave space on our calendar and that space gets filled up more in the moment with what feels great. So let's say it's the garden in your case. And let's say we have gardeners listening. And let's say the gardeners on average who are listening do not like the gym. I'm not saying you do or you don't, Sonia. Let's just say that's I don't. possible. I do, it, I do it so that I can not have like joint issues in five years. Oh, okay. So now the prescription becomes you are walking around your garden. Now, some of you have a very small window box, so you're walking around your kitchen, Okay. Some of you are walking around outside and you're walking back and forth and you might look like a crazy person, but who cares? You're actually actively walking around and doing some gardening. It is the shortest distance between points is a straight line. So the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And so that's true for all of us when we're avoiding something. So if you're avoiding the gym because it's not your jam, however, you do want to do something to work out physically in your body, 
there's space in your day and you're going to garden anyway, that's where you blend it up. We talked about the cocktail of life, mocktail, cocktail, many, many shows we've talked about this. You blend it up. And so it's a sprinkle of walking. And once you start walking, by the way, your body tends to want a little more because now you've started. It's getting started that's so hard for most of us. During and after, you're like, that was great. I wish I did that every day. I'll do it every day. And then days go by and nothing. And then you feel bad and the cycle repeats. Rinse, repeat. So try just adding something light and easy and breezy to what you're already doing, such as gardening. If you see that blank space in your calendar and you have a half an hour or, or you know, it's the best day ever. and There's a whole hour of nothing. It's Nixon time. You can actually take a little walk around the block and then tend to your garden or tend to your garden. And then maybe you walk down a bunch of houses and you go see somebody else's garden because you know it's three blocks away and there's a victory garden and you just are dying to see it. You can actually convince yourself in the moment to do more so much easier if you know there's nothing pressing on the other end where you're like, I got to get back. I got to get back. I got to get back. We're back in the race. We're in that sprint inside the marathon. Now, earlier, Sonia mentioned we're in a sprint. We are. And this show is an inside out to pay homage to that movie I mentioned earlier. And to remind you all, we are the work in progress. We make the mistakes. We share the hiccups and all the trial and error with all of you. So hopefully, ideally, you don't have to all make the same mistakes. Although, you know, I don't believe hope's a strategy. So you're still going to make the mistakes. And it's okay because that's how we learn. There is so much to be said about learning from mistakes. And most of these are unintended. Now, there is this rule introduced to society so long ago by someone you may have heard of. His name was Einstein. Doing things the same way and expecting different results is the theory of insanity. So if you want to not be insane and you love this show, we would like you to keep DMing us those questions and challenges and even mistakes that you're making. We will keep sharing ours and unpacking and unpacking and unpacking to your suitcase is completely free. And we encourage you to, when you make a mistake, do something different so you don't repeat it, even if it's the tiniest adjustment. Wow, I didn't get five minutes, but I got two minutes in, Dana Mahina, and I actually feel a little better. I did notice I was breathing more deeply for two minutes. It was the only time all week. That's how it starts. And once it starts, you can build and build and build. It's getting started for most of us. That simply sucks. So I think we're out of time. I can't believe it. That went so fast. Do we have a quick one? Can we do a speed round? Yes, we do have time for another quick one. So here we go. Dear Dana Mahina, on one of your videos, I saw you talking about joy, productivity, and value, but I'm a little unclear about how the trifecta works together. Ah, the trifecta. So I actually came up with this about four years ago, and many people that I work with as clients whom I coach have really resonated with it, and I've started testing it out throughout society. So really, wherever I am, I talk about this trifecta. The reason it's a trifecta is that many of us will trade off joy for productivity, 
and value. And that's part of why we're overcommitted and overbooked and overachieving and overfunctioning, as Brene Brown calls it. My husband tells me this all the time. Wait, you're overfunctioning. Oh, warning. It's not good to over or under function. You want it to be just right, like that story from the three little bears. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. Who eats porridge? So here's the thing about joy, productivity, and value. Value is not simply money. Many of us get caught in the money trap. It's not. It's way bigger and deeper and more important than anything you can probably imagine at first blush. You have to really dive into this one. So value is the value you give in life. You give it at work. You give it to friends. You give it with family. You give it to yourself, ideally. You give it to your loved ones, your partner, your husband, your kids, your dogs, your pets, your garden. You're providing all this value in life. The challenge is most of us don't really take assessment of the value we're receiving back, meaning are we valued way beyond compensation? Are we loved? Are we thanked? Are we appreciated? Are we recognized? Are we simply having someone who's a total stranger smile on the street because we helped them cross it when they were older and carrying groceries? Just that smile is being valued. You wouldn't typically carry somebody's groceries and help them across the street if there was never anything in return other than feeling the need of the good deed. Many of us want to believe that's true, but we do need something in exchange at some point. Because if you give and give and give and give and never receive, listen to every show we've ever had, you're going to get depleted. There has to be some exchange. And not expecting it is great. Eventually receiving it is also important. So the other piece of that trifecta is joy. Many of us are super productive. We're working really hard. We're providing all this value in all these different facets of our work-life integration life, and yet we're not feeling all that joyful. So the reason you need joy is to sustain, to be energized, to be able to give, and also to be able to receive also feeds the joy meter. And if your parking meter is void, (laughs) expired, you keep getting tickets, put money in the meter. (laughs) So joy is the money in your meter. And that's the trifecta. And if that's not a way to wrap, I don't know what is. So now how do they find us? What do they do? And what are we doing next? All right. So you can find us on Instagram at Dana.Mahina, on LinkedIn and Twitter at Dana Mahina. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And what are we doing? We are working a lot, uh, <laughs> but we enjoy doing this. So we are still making time to talk to all of you. And hopefully you guys are enjoying these episodes. So we will be back next week. And we are enjoying all of you. <laughs> So there's our joy for the week. And with that, we say until next time. Uh, we hope. Until next time. Mm-hmm.